If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to this brunch edition of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. It is Tuesday, springtime, March 27, 2018, alongside barely awake Ian Ferguson. Uh, I'm here. I'm back on tree. We got a lot of fun stuff going on to talk about this time in the world of gaming, retro and modern, and in the world of bankruptcies, in the world of, of wrestlers returning, thankfully, after two years of retirement kb toys might be making a comeback don't call it a comeback handheld game emulation more info on the atari box with a new name a new game grading service street fighter series in development pats in a midlife crisis and your q a so Ian, what's going on in your life oh you know (laughs) stuff um watched a lot of basketball recently oh yeah yeah you get into that it's been good buffalo got knocked out yeah, but yeah, I mean, the no. fact that they even made it was pretty great. And then the yeah. fact that they made it to the second round. Is that amazing? Was was fantastic. That means they had an upset and they got there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upsets for Buffalo to do anything, really. In anything, not just in anything, any, any, in any anything, endeavor. In anything that Buffalo does <laughs> positively, <laughs> that's an upset. So that's fantastic. Okay. Um, Syracuse has been knocked out, which is unfortunate. That's that's my team. Um, They're my boy, Blue. But yeah, for the first time in years, I've actually had a chance to watch uh, a large chunk. I got to watch all of round one and round two. Um, I got to watch at least a day's worth of the Sweet 16. I didn't get to watch any of the Elite Eight. Sweet 16! But it's been fun. So that was cool. I went up to um, WonderCon on Sunday with Vani. Um, How was that? Just for a day. I actually really enjoyed it. It's so nice. A little less hectic. But still hectic at this point, but hectic in San Diego. Way less hectic. Um, actually, what was cool was I think the most hectic area was Artist Alley. Oh, so really? Lots of people were there for um, the artists and for comics. There was really no media. There was no there was no like TV station presence. There was no um, movie presence. There was no video game company presence. Um, it was just vendors and comics, um, you know, for the most part, small press. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I got uh, I got that uh, X-Men Age of Apocalypse omnibus for 50 bucks. Normally it goes for like the, 130. That's the story from, what is it, the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, it's it's from the early 90s. It's, early 90s. It's, it's the, the classic, sure. you know, alternate universe It comes story. a wrecked house and, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was neat and yeah, it was a good time. So that was, that's what I've been up to. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I still don't have, you can tell my disarray cause behind you, I still don't have games on the shelf there. I'm trying to figure out what to put on the shelves besides the NES and Sega Master System, some of the Genesis there, but I'll get up, I'll, I'll get there. 
this is this is a weird week. Um, not just because of uh, of this being around here, and it's like maybe you've seen slight improvements to this. Probably not, since the last two weeks you've seen nothing um, in my life. But now I'm in a midlife crisis, according to a nice Wired profile about me, written by Justin Heckert. So, so before we get any further, Justin did not pick the clickbaity title on at Wired.com. <laughs> so it's called <clears throat> the Nintendo King and the Midlife Midlife Crisis. It's good because. I like Justin, and it's a, it's a good article. I actually like the article very well, very much. Uh, Pat Contry has made a title is rough. His synopsis: Pat Contry has made a career out of his YouTube videos about all things Nintendo, but as he closes in on forty, uh, the NES punk is struggling to uh, what? Oh, it's cut off. Struggling to imagine what things beyond that is. That what that says? It's cut off on the on the tw- Twitter there. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, read the article. It's not called. It doesn't. There's no midlife crisis reference in the in the print version, at least. Yeah, it makes me seem like I'm a madman yeah. because of that. <laughs> but it, it it basically uh, delves into the mindset of me as I get older. Uh, the NES punk character is ten years old. The, the NES is the backdrop to my hobby for twenty years, but also part of my career. Um, and it's it's a nice article. It's a nice profile. It, it seems compressed. It's a little rushed. They cut out like five hundred words, but um. Yeah, what did you think about it? Was it was it interesting to learn about me? Do you know anything about any from the? Is there anything from the article you didn't know about me or no? No, <laughs> you said that with such sort of like disdain. <laughs> no, I knew all that. It was like reading the back of a cereal box I've read a hundred times before as I'm sitting there eating my breakfast. What would be my giveaway item though? Would I have a giveaway item? Uh... <laughs> like a random NES four score sealed above you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an M82, but but um, I, I'm honored that I was chosen in this. Uh, the issue I think is the age issue. Um, uh, so they profile people in different age groups, and I'm in the 27 to 54 age group, I believe. Cool. So I'm glad that I'm like a little closer to the 27 still at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the 54. Well, I think but, Justin did a fantastic job writing it. So, so um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to delve in too much. Uh, you know, check it out. I tweeted it out. Uh, I think you're allowed a certain number of Wired articles per month before you have to subscribe. So if you've read Wired a lot, you probably subscribed. If not, just read this one before you read the other ones. And then you can decide if you want to subscribe. Or go to your local Barnes & Noble or, or local bookstore and buy the print version. You can, you know, you can look at my, my weird-ass hair in, in the one picture. It's, Call my hair foppish. I, well, I, I agreed. I, I agree. <laughs> um, in that one picture, you look kind of like... Uh... An ageless, timeless um, British pop star. In which one? The picture of me in front of, in front the, of the shelf? Uh, yes. I was kind of not disappointed they used that photo. The, 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 there was real photographers here for uh, like two hours. I can tell. What do you mean you can tell? It made me look good for once. Mm-hmm. But um, they showed up. Also, you told me. Okay. Well, let's pretend for the <laughs> audience that you don't know about this stuff. We're only doing a podcast. This is brand new to me. Yeah. <laughs> Professional podcast, everyone. Um. So they did pictures. I'm glad that for the print version, I don't think they're going to use the one, the strange one, me outside with the Donkey Kong stuff, Donkey Kong. But they're using the other two That's sad. with my nice Spy Hunter shirt, and then the, the, me at the podcasting booth. And then you got a quote in there. I did. So you don't know what I do for fun, apparently. Not, not <laughs> lately. No. I mean, honestly, I could have said movies, but I mean, like, That's... who doesn't go to the fucking movies? Who doesn't watch a good Marvel yarn at this point, right? right? Um. Yeah, so, and, and just to clear things up, it's not like 
the, the NES Punk character is dead and gone right now. But it's thinking He's about... just dead inside right dead now. Inside. <laughs> I mean, I just had one come out a few months ago, and I, I, if it wasn't for the move, I probably would have done another one. And I don't know how I even got that one out with the move, to be honest. I have no clue. It was like it's the famous story. Sometimes I get this uh, will to kill myself. Like when I was moving from New Jersey to California, three days before the move, I filmed an NES Punk video three days before. It's yeah, that like, was stupid. That was that was very stupid. That was the MNA2 uh, for the win uh, video, by the way. I filmed that in the midst of moving across the country and packing shit. Like it was insane that I did that three or four days before. It was it was close. Um, yeah. So anything besides that, you don't have any comments or anything, you know, links to a certain NES guidebook, calls it a Bible. <laughs> it's, I'm going to quote this, it suffocated him, but turned into a surprise hit. That is a very good term for what the book did to my life. It suffocated me. That's a very good, that's a very astute wordplay for there. It suffocated me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So check it out. Uh, maybe this will finally qualify me for a wikipedia article <laughs> because in the past i remember like uh because i do have a google alert sometimes set and it it was up there and then it was like it was it was not just marked for deletion my wikipedia page was marked for speedy deletion like like it was like the <laughs> like get this the fuck off wikipedia i guess there's regular times where get this the hell off wikipedia sort of stuff i think that's interesting that's all <laughs> Oh. But the story of me crying about Zelda 2 um, because it wasn't arriving from the Sears catalog, absolutely true. But that's the, you know, that was a chip shortage that helped out there. Yeah. Know, unfortunately. So, all right. Anything else going on in, in our lives that are important? See a sea of thieves real quick. What the fuck's up with this game? Why is it getting so much coverage? I think because everyone was trying to find the game inside of it. I don't but know. I didn't see a lot of build up to it. Like these other huge games that come out, then all of a sudden I see this. Maybe, maybe I'm not in the know. Was, well, was there a lot of buzz around this game? It's, it's it was Xbox One exclusive, so being one of the few, I would say like one, one of the few exclusives. One of the few exclusives. If you're not playing Xbox One regularly, you might not know about it. Um, two, it's big because it was uh, it's a rare title, so it was like one. Of ah, the, that's was, what it is. It was one of the first big like original properties they've been working on in a while. Everything rare must be was must be you know pushed, I guess, or acknowledged. Well, I mean, it, it's their it's their big first it, their second party. Second party, yeah, it's their so it's speak. their big second party developer. So. I think people really wanted it to be something, and I think the idea of the game sounds really great. What's the idea, real quick? Well, the idea of the game was supposed to be, you know, you you get multiple people to play with you, and you all man You're a all... pirate ship. Sure. And you, you know, you 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 know, see fair around and. <laughs> Dude, I can't talk right now. You know this. Um, but you see fair around, and you you sail, and you, you fight, you, you loot, you fight, and you get treasure you and stuff ships, like that. Maybe you, you discover, you go little little islands. You get a... yeah. But from what I understand, there's like there's only like one upgrade to your ship, and it's cosmetic only. Well, that sounds great. There's no NPCs or anything. Oh, on, that sounds fantastic. On the islands, um, you know, uh, there's lots of griefing when it comes to the multiplayer. So people are just ruining it for others. Just... Yeah, and I guess you know a lot. It's, of... and it's, it's 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 not a single player experience at all, right? You have to really do multiplayer. Uh, from what I understand, yes, multiplayer is basically unavoidable in it. So um, it kind of sounds like 
a No Man's Sky situation, but magnified. Magnified because that at least there was stuff to do, even though it seemed like it was empty once you did it for dozens of hours. Right. There was was still at least a couple of multiple goals, um, you know, and, you know, the the upgrades to your ships weren't entirely cosmetic. They gave you more, um, you know, they gave you more room to hold stuff and things like that. I, you know, it's one of those things that they could probably take care of with, you know, adding content, which they said they're going to do, but like how the first No Man's Sky update was big enough to get, sure. but by then it was too late though. But then there was, there was so much buzz around No Man's Sky. So the, I, I, the thing is, is, I feel like, I feel like Rare probably should have learned a very important lesson from watching someone else release a game that wasn't that, finished that while they're yeah they're while they're obviously uh, two different games they're both getting compared i think rightly in the same way for feeling you've got this large open world but you've got a very dead feeling to it when i saw this at first i swear to god i thought it was a mobile game it was like those commercials you see like you know what yeah. I mean? Like, World of Planes! Yeah. Sea of Thieves! They did take a weird... I'm not, like, totally against, like, a cartoony art style, but it that did... That, too. It's it a very did, simplistic art style. It seemed like mobile-ish. it was almost emulating that mobile art style. But it almost seems like, just from seeing some gameplay footage, and I've seen a lot, I've seen some... It looks like a fucking mobile game. I'm sorry. The way it looks and plays, sure. it looks like it can be a mobile game. Then again, at this point, they have, you know, PUBG on mobile. I think they just announced that it's ad-free or free. Uh, one of the two, and then there's also Fortnite mobile game, which is tying up fucking Wi-Fi high schools and schools. Supposedly, I almost added that article. How that's getting nuts, Jesus. people playing that. So it's starting to bridge closer together in some aspects, depending on the game. But this looks like a cheap fucking game, and that's all I'm going to say. You can say I haven't played it. I have it. It looks cheap. I would I would love to play it in ideal conditions where you have four people that know each other on one ship and four people that actually know each other on another ship, but. A lot of people say that the the issue is that's never what you get, and you end up with four random people trying to pilot, uh, you know, navigate a pirate ship, and it's just nonsense. Someone said that um, th- I can't confirm this, but someone said that the Kraken, you can count on the Kraken, it's so cheap that the Kraken, the tentacles come out the water, but there's nothing under. There's nothing under the water. Under, yeah, yeah. The the big final boss in the game is. Chest tentacles. There's is that the final boss technically, or, or the biggest so. the biggest thing you can oh, encounter? The biggest enemy, or something. And there's like that. so you sh- shoot at fucking tentacles. Yeah, that just sounds half-assed. Am I? Am I say? Uh, yeah, I won't disagree there. You won't disagree there. All right. Well, go go play Sea of Thieves. It's on your it's on your iPhone and, and on your no, it's not. It's on Xbox One. It sounds like the game is the thief. Wow. Yeah. All right, Ian. Mm. We're in a dark time when it comes to our toy stores. Yeah. Especially the Toys R Us, the, the last major chain that's all, all around from the big four that existed. Right. From the 70s and 80s. Uh, the founder of Toys R Us passed away right before the liquidation sales. Uh, Sorry, George Lazarus. I was going to say Charles, but yeah, George. Is it Char- Charles Lazarus? I think, I, I, I'm not sure. So isn't that just, you hope that that wasn't what did him in. Charles Lazarus passes away. Days after Toys R Us said we're, we're, we're done. We're Keeps gonna... making me think of the Orange Lazarus from Pete and Pete. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> but so they've started the, the clearance sales. They started at 10% off, I believe. At, at, I think it, it varies per store, though, for some reason, depending okay. on what's on sale. But it sounds like this. just the, the, the thought, though, has there was uh, there was some pictures on Twitter, social media, about people just rushing to the stores to buy shit. Yeah. It was like, wow, this isn't going to be around forever. So let's, 
appreciate what we have. Vani went and checked it out, and I mean, before, I mean, the shelves were just barren. That was also because they probably haven't been stocking any new, nothing, right. anything new the past few months since yeah. they announced, especially our local store was announced as one's going under before they all were going under. So in the midst of all this, there's a couple of weird developments. Weird developments. KB Toys uh, announced that they are trying to come back. Now, let's be clear here. This is uh, this is one of these fucking Coleco cases. They're owned by Strategic Marks LLC, as in probably Strategic Trademarks. So it's a it's a company that buys up zombie trademarks to repackage or try to repurpose them. Right. That's what it looks like to me when I'm looking at this. Uh. They, this is from the fucking press release on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, we're bringing it's back right K- there. we're bringing back KB Toy Stores very soon. We've received so many calls, emails, and private messages of support as we try to hashtag save the toy industry. Due to overwhelming response, we can't commit to replying back immediately. We will get to all messages as fast as we can. Many of you have asked what our plans will be. And all we can say is we spent the last six months working on a sustainable model to bring back KB Toys the right way, so it can compete with not only the big box stores but online as well. Our umbrella, Strategic Marks LLC, I love that name, has been very successful bringing back many of the other popular products from companies over the last 10 years because we follow a very strict formula. They bring back the experiences we loved as a child, just as you remembered them. That sounds creepy. A strict formula to bring back experiences you remember as a child. We spent the last few days with our team and leaders in the toy industry to figure out how we can accelerate the project so our stores can open for the Christmas season. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. that's good luck getting a, a a chain of fucking toy stores open before Christmas. That's insane. From nothing, that I don't understand this. Um, they're hoping we hope to replace find places for those thirty three thousand jobs which will be lost as Toys R Us closes. Please be patient with us over the next few months. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure those people are just gonna sit around and wait for you to rehire them so, at minimum. You know. Minimum wage. So this is what I see. I see an online store for sure, sure. branded KB Toys. Why not? That's, That's easy. You can get that going. Yeah. You know, and you can link to, you can get, you know, you can even just be a drop ship site that you don't have to, you know, house the stuff yourself to say, oh, you know, like an Amazon for toys. I see that. Here's the point, or here's the issue, Ian. KB has been, the, the, the store's last store's closed around what, 2007, 2006? Was it even that? 2008? Okay. I thought it was earlier. Mid-2000s. Sure, yeah. It was mid-2000s whenever okay. KB closed. KB, even before then, was not the biggest toy store since the early 80s. Then they, they started closing left and right and malls got less popular. KB stopped being like a destination probably, to me, in the 90s somewhere. That's the last time I remember shopping at KB. It was when I was actively going to the mall a lot. Don't get me. Don't make, don't, to do. They went out of business in 2009, so it actually wasn't that recent. Oh, okay. So they, it was, I think it was more of a slow death. So, they had 431 locations at the peak. Wow. I, or, or at least, no, that was prior to closing. I think they had, I think they had like 605. I feel like they were guaranteed to be in every mall at one point. For my research on state events, they had more at some, one point than Toys R Us. They, okay. they were the biggest. They were bigger than Children's Palace slash Child's Place, whatever, and and more than uh, the Kitty City. Child's World, slash, Kitty City. Slash Child's World. Yeah. Children's Palace and Child's World always confuse the two. Uh, there was no children's palace in the north city, northeast. We didn't have that. Seems nice with that nice panda. <laughs> it's a nice, good old panda. Uh, so uh, you might want to, yeah. Strategic Marks just got they just registered for 2016. Toys R Us used to own 
uh, the K- they used to have it. I guess they bought out whatever stock and trademarks. That's right. I remember seeing that. They did do that mm-hmm. at the time. Um, Close them out for good. Um, so founder Elia Kassoff stated that due to Toys R Us going out of business, they plan to have pop-up stores. Oh, pop-up stores running before 2008. Oh, they're going to appear at your local uh, swap meet and, and just have a KB toy store stand? A pop-up store, Ian. That's like the little ones in the mall, like the little stands that pop up. This is garbage. Well, I mean, a pop-up store can also mean, like, an event store. Like, uh, so a pop-up can also mean... It can mean, like, you have a truck, and you stop, and, and like, you're selling yeah, tacos. And you, well, a pop-up can, like, it can be larger than that, but either way, it's it's cheap, it's shoddy. Um, it will not be the KB you remember. Well... It will not be that. No. No. Well, they had the big clearance bins and the wire uh, wire bins where oh I got all my God. Sierra games in, in, in early 90s. I love that. What I would actually really be most interested in knowing is will there be a circular display with yapping robot puppies that do flips <laughs> right <laughs> <on> <laughs> That was the best part about the mall, right? Yeah. You can hear the... Like, the <laughs> and you hear like the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I almost forgot about that. So, yeah, a pop-up store definition is it's, sh- it's short-term sale. So, yes. it'd be like fly-by-night almost. They sometimes <laughs> last... I mean, they can last anywhere from a week, and they they take place outside, or they could be indoors. But or, you yeah. can set it up easily. Yeah. You can be like a two-person operation. Sure. But that's what you're going to get with your little KB uh, toys... Trademark and little fucking toy soldier looking guy with the red red it, jacket. At least, at least right now, certainly. So I'm not excited about that, Ian. No. As you can see, most of the 99 percent of the time, I'm not too excited about these zombie trademarks being taken over oh, and try to be revived. No, it's it's not. A, it's always a bad time. <laughs> You're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. So the other weird news with this is the um the weird crowdfunding that they're trying to do to. Bring back uh, Toys R Us on GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Explain. So there's there's a group that is putting in a bid. It's GoFundMe.com slash Help Save Toys R Us. It's a, it's a group of investors. Um, it's from the, let's see, the CEO of MGA Entertainment, one of the world's lead, leading privately held toy entertainment companies and creator of family favorite brands, including Little Tykes. I've heard of Little Tykes, actually. So... They're asking for uh, a, it's a, it's a, you know it's a meager amount it's a billion dollars a billion oh that's to <laughs> that's to put in the bid during the bankruptcy hearings in order to to win the assets and trademarks and everything else though okay that's just to win it they okay. think that's what it would cost to, to get everything ah uh, so this is what's so confusing about it when you click on it they've raised two hundred million four hundred thousand but the two hundred million I think is from the private round like the, them putting in to build it up. Okay. So I really think I think when you really look at this, you're looking at well, how many people are actually putting money? And you see five dollars twenty, and there's only sixteen. There's only sixteen hundred donations. Right. So there's no way in hell sixteen hundred donations gets to two hundred million dollars. No. Unless some of those are giving a hundred thousand dollars or more, you know, to get up to that point, sure. or a million dollars or more. And I think that's why it's um it's not disingenuous, but when you look at it, you gotta be like, oh, okay. $200 million. That's like every man and woman in America giving a dollar. I'm in. Right. But no, that's not really what's going on here. They have, they've, they've had this set up before they got to this point. But now they're trying to get more people involved. So they have tiers like... The tiers are just funny because it's like, okay, yeah, if you want to donate 50 bucks, whatever. Again, this is just to help them win it. But to their credit, they said if they don't win it, all the money goes back. 
So oh, that's build, okay. That's cool. so it's not like they're taking a billion dollars and running right with it, which would be you know that would be you know jail time forever. Right. This isn't like a game on Kickstarter where you raise fifty thousand and don't have to make it. You you take a billion dollars. Right. People are coming after you at that point. Um. This is be advised. This is not a donation to a charitable cause. There is no tax deduction available. It is a donation to a potential commercial venture. The funds raised would be added to other capital being gathered by the potential purchasers of some or all of Toys R Us. A donation to this campaign doesn't qualify you, does not qualify you to claim equity in any potential acquisition. It simply means you want future generations to be Toys R Us kids. All right. Here's the issue with that, Ian. They have tiers at five, ten, twenty-five, and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm just gonna skip the twenty-five. What do you get at fifty thousand dollars? You get the sa- the hashtag Save Toys R Us sticker, pin, magnet. I'll always be a Toys R Us kid shirt, and a block par- party for your friends. Oh, a block party at fifty thousand dollars. Okay. I wonder how much hot dog rolls and potato salad costs. <laughs> yeah. In order to get that fifty thousand, if I am donating five, ten, twenty-five thousand. I want some fucking equity. Yeah. If they, if this goes through. I don't right. care if it's point I want stock. I don't care if it's point zero 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 one percent. I want that equity. Right. I think that's really kind of slimy to do that. Just because when you look at the two hundred million mark, the people that are putting that they're not they're getting equity. Right. Exactly. If I'm put, if I'm putting millions. So if you're putting a million, why do you get equity and I, if I'm putting fifty thousand, I don't get equity. What the hell is the difference? Just the size of your investment. That's how stock works. That's how investment works. So, yeah, I don't know if this is going to happen. I, I I think there will be some bidding done for this. Toys R Us is too big not to be gone completely. I just don't know how it's going to come back. Right. I, I think that's what remains to be seen. And, and just to piggyback off that, this is from at uh, somebody, I don't know the name. Uh, as I didn't have a Toys R Us available to me, this is from Twitter. As I didn't have a Toys R Us available to me until I was in high school, what was it like to have access to one as a kid? Did it influence any gaming choices in your life as it did Game Over Greggy? Me? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing. I get This whole Toys R Us thing is uh, I, 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 I can't get nearly as choked up as everyone else has about it because I didn't do a ton of shopping at Toys R Us. I, I do have fond memories of Toys R Us when I was a kid. Um, you know, it was where I bought the first video game I bought with my own money, which was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. You know, that's where I went to go do it. I, I was that crazy, Eddie. I, I very much remember, you know, grabbing the slip and doing that. And, you know, I have those memories. I remember browsing. I, re- I remember how awesome, you know, uh, it, the the one that I went to when I was a kid, you know, all the board games were on one big side of the the wall and then the setup was down the center was the uh the clear case with all the video game systems on display and then on the other side of that was all the little hanging you know video game things so you could flip them up and look at them so mine was a different aisle by the way mine was a different aisle entirely for software versus hardware uh, so yeah it was like software hardware and then board games so it was awesome and i remember that clearly and i liked it but i don't i don't have a lot of memories of going to toys r us like as a teenager and young adult because i went to the mall very often i actually have a lot more stored up here about kb toys actually so that was more your toy store i mean yeah when i was growing up i you know i would stop into kb toys regularly whereas toys r us i remember more from being a kid and yeah, I liked it, but 
it wasn't and it wasn't a huge part of my life. Okay, it was a huge part of mine. I right. mean, that's where and that's not where I bought all my toys because because <clears throat> we would go to Kmart when it was like the GI Joes were on sale for like buy one get one free like twice a year. That's when I can get GI Joes or Bradleys or Caldor. Sure. The lo- the smaller big box stores you can call them or smaller whatever department stores I guess smaller big box stores before they all went out of business by like the mid 90s yeah, mostly all I know, gone yeah I know what you mean I love Caldor by the way just looked like straight out of 71 how it was built and looked you know I don't know if you had a Caldor we had Caldor Bradley's and Kmart all within like five minutes of each other we didn't have any targets or Walmarts so they came from the Midwest so they, it took a while for them to come out we had like a Hills and AM and A's AM and A's? AM and A's, yeah. So how did it influence uh, gaming choices? Well, obviously, that's how you found out about some stuff. Oh, right. You know? Um, yeah, I, but I don't think it influenced a ton. I mean, I think those little Nintendo posters that came with games probably influenced my choices more. Or Nintendo Power. Yeah, exactly. Or of a Game Pro if you had it or whatever magazine from the Electronic Gaming Monthly. I mean, I guess my parents were smart enough to not take me in there just f- to browse. So oh, you not, couldn't. Yeah, so it's not like I was ever in there for a long period of time, you know, doing a whole lot of comparing. No. I was. I would always, I mean, my, my mom would always, you know, begrudgingly be, or my dad would be like, yeah, yeah, fine, go check out the video games if we were in there to pick up a birthday present or something like that. But, um, yeah, I was never in there really without a purpose, so I, I can't say that it affected much in the way of how I, I shopped for games. Yeah, I think I always knew what I wanted before I went in, for, exactly. at least for a video game. Yes. And then I was always disappointed when there was no tickets. Yep. And this is why I'm in love with Kitty City, because when I went to Kitty City, you could see the games. Yes. And say, give me that game, woman behind the counter. Like, you can just say, you like, give me Top Secret Episode. Yeah. You, give me you, Contra. You give couldn't me, be give me Zelda. by something that wasn't in yes. stock. <laughs> it either yes. wasn't there, it I was can't, out of sight, out I can't of explain mind. the difference of how much better it is to be given the game and trusted with it to go to the cash register. That feeling versus, here, take a fucking ticket, you asshole. I mean, the paper ticket is, go is something the, we all remember, but, but it wasn't so, ideal. It no. Was, because either because either you'd see the, the slab first, the plastic thing, and you'd be like, yes, and then there'd be no tickets. There'd be no ticket. Or, and they'd legitimately be sold out, or you'd get that. Or your asshole friend named Kevin would take the tickets. Or your asshole friend named Kevin would take all the Which tickets. Which he did, by the way. He would yeah. take a ticket for games and yeah. hold on to it. Yeah, exactly. Or some yeah, some shithead kid would grab all the tickets and throw them into the Barbie aisle. <laughs> well, that I've never seen. You had some assholes and kids in Buffalo's. In Buffalo and, doing that. And, you know, for a minute you might hold out a faint hope against hope that you could go up there and be like, do you actually have a copy back I there? was too shy to do that. And I then you'd get stabbed. You Not know. just for that. They, they also had all the hot toys like Cabbage Patch kids were in there i think the bikes were in there or some some like the radio control card you know stuff like that yeah. train sets and things yeah something whatever they have behind the the glass I mean, usually they have like the more expensive stuff the, the liquor the liquor toys the, the blunt wraps you know are behind the jeffrey cage. jeffrey giraffe <laughs> rum yeah. is that what they had <laughs> spotted rum <sighs> so no it didn't really influence the choices but um it definitely obviously we didn't talk about the personal feelings as much last time we spoke about it but no it is kind of sad um, but these stores in general are going out of business. I just, it's just what it is. I mean, malls are dying. These big box stores, unless you're Target or Walmart and you have the huge size and volume to buy in such a gigantic level to get the savings, it's tough. And that's why people are saying they're going to Toys R Us and getting 10% off and still not, the prices are still not as good as like Amazon right. or Walmart. So blame, blame the consumer partially too. And also blame the private equity firms to dumping all their debt when they bought Toys R Us back in whatever it was, 2005 or six. Not be able to climb out. 
But that's what happens when you go, you know, you go public or you sell. Charles Lazarus, I'm sorry. You probably had some, you probably didn't make the decision yourself. I don't know the history, but, you know, you probably wouldn't want to sell your, I can't imagine that. Your lifelong business and it just fucking dies and then you do. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Death of a broken heart. Ho- hopefully broken they heart. kept all the news from him. Like they took away his phone and TV. No, no, nothing. <laughs> Granddad, nothing's going on. Yeah. Close Russ is going to live forever. Oh, God, it's depressing. Moving on, Ian. Yes, Ian. This is in your wheelhouse. This is this is right, right. This in is my like I can just shut the fuck up for like twenty minutes, which I think I will. <clears throat> so this is excellent. Um, so people started doing this a while ago. Handheld games are like the handheld LCD <laughs> games are finally starting to um, get emulated uh, and put emulated. online uh, in a way that they can be played. Um, the LCD handheld games. Um, this is being done over at the uh, Internet Archive, and they're starting to uh, host about 60 of these games right now, and I'm sure we'll start to see more. They're hosting um, a variety of the LCD and vacuum, uh, vacuum fluorescent display games um, from companies such as Tiger, um, Konami, uh, Coleco, uh, and other companies. And it's really quite interesting and because this is, this is a very tricky style of emulation. So these are like the little handheld games that we all remember from kid, uh, from when we were kids. Um, and if you baseball, don't, re- you don't rec- football. if you don't recall them, they're little handheld games with a tiny LCD screen, like liquid, that liquid crystal display, display. Uh, which sounds cooler than it is. <laughs> I've always thought liquid crystal display. I'm like, wow, that's fancy. And then you look at it and it's like, no, it's not. Um, they usually have like a control pad on one side and a couple of buttons. It looks like a calculator. You shove a couple batteries in there. And the ones a lot of us will remember were really shitty. They were based on movie licenses, and uh, the gameplay was rough. Some were, there were some video game ones. I had Ninja Garden, I had Double Dragon, they had Mega Man. They have, I think there's probably dozens of ones there's based some on video Sonic, games. yeah. But I'm just saying, I mean, they were all eventually licensed. Or they, they were largely licensed on video games or movies. Or, they didn't or start that like way, that. though. Yeah, they started they they generic. Were, like, we're getting there, yeah. Karate. So they started out very generic, especially in the 70s and 80s. They were just... Um, you know, space, race, you know, and various things like but that. I think there was like an Entex. No, 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 that was a, that wasn't LCD, the Entex the, the Space Invaders. That was a... A vacuum fluorescent display. Or LED, actually. It might have been. Actually, it I don't know. It might have been LED, too. might have been. Anyways, so these are starting to become preserved because as time goes on, they, they're getting more and more oh. beat and they're getting harder. Um, you know, they're getting... Over time, they're going to get destroyed. Unlike with video games or hardware or even arcade boards where the data needed to emulate these can be extracted without destroying them, that's not so much the case, unfortunately, with these handhelds. Um, The handhelds oftentimes need to be destroyed because of how they were created. So the LCD screen needs to be taken apart and separated and scanned for all the preformed all, all the preformed graphics, yeah. you know, because the graphics are preformed and then lit up at certain times. And on a lot of these older ones, they're done with solid state circuits. Mm-hmm. So they scan the circuit and they figure out, you know, how everything would play out properly. And then they emulate it in a window and uh, then you can play it that way. And it's great to see that people can go and, and try all these out and you can see you know, which ones worked, which ones don't work out so well in terms of gameplay. Um, you can see all sorts of neat experimentation. 
Um, you can see, you know, where some of them tried to get very complex. Um, I think there's quite a few of the uh, Konami ones actually tried to do a bit more. Um, and it's it's cool, especially when Tamagotchi's you... on here, by the way. Yeah, Tamagotchi's <laughs> on there, uh, especially when Speaking you're looking at like the uh, Coleco, like mini arcade cabinets. I think those are some of the best examples of um, ingenuity when it comes to you know translating a full sized arcade game from that era into what is essentially you know a a very co- complicated calculator. Sure. Was there ever a site before that featured emulation? I, mean, I thought there was. Yes, there was. There's, there's Handheld Museum, right? But I don't know if that, they were on the there. Handheld Museum didn't have emulation. emulation. It just has a nice collection of like, like a ton of them. Though. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There's tons of information. Some of my favorite websites to browse around. Um, there was a place that uh, had some emulated. I don't know how well they were emulated or if they were it just was, recreated. It was in browser though. It was it? in browser and I they had that. some um, Game & Watch ones as yes. well. I'm trying to find it right now. I can't remember what the name of it though. But it, it did exist before though. This wasn't the first time. No. This has been done by the MAME team though. Yeah, MAME team and as know well as some other people. I didn't know they were into this, but this is fantastic. So it's great. Uh, the people who are doing it though bring up an interesting point that while this so far has emulated the screens in the game, that one of the big things about these is not just the game themselves, but how important the overall experience was tied to what the game came in. Sure, the shell. The shell. So, so this is almost closer than the like pinball emulation. Yeah. So you only need to see like a form of it. Because, you know, I mean, there are some where uh, there's a... In this one article, there's a really good example... Of it's a Bandai one. It's called like Match Pair. Yeah, because because the, the the controller scheme's important to some of these and how you play it. Too. Well, and also just the visual appeal. So that's right. It's one called Bandai Pair Match, which when you look at the screen, which is emulated, Pair Match. I don't think I heard of that one. When you look at the screen, which is emulated, it's just a simple screen with um, some blocks on it. And it looks like a, a solitaire type game. I actually have no idea how so this one plays. It's a pyramid looking thing? But when you actually look at the physical game, it's a smoky clear pyramid with controls on the side, which obviously enhances so much about oh how you play that. I want this. Yeah, me too. I saw it <laughs> like, I was like, like damn, I want one. I don't think that came out here, did it? Uh, no, I think it did. And, you know, if you look at something like the Coleco ones, you know, they're a lot of fun. They're actually a lot of fun to play. Absolutely. Um, the, the little Coleco mini arcades. But a lot of that is also tied to the fact that it's a lot of fun to play around with a little mini arcade cabinet, too. Yeah, and the little mini joysticks actually work fairly well. Right. So, those. you know, you can have fun playing those in emulated form, but so much comes from the experience of using... Yeah, of using that. There's the skeet shooting uh, tiger one. Yeah, the skeet shooting tiger one is great, and it's got a little dial. It's got a dial. Yeah, that's That's ingenious for something like that. From like 1987 or 88, one of the first ones they made, and that's one of the best ones they made, in my opinion. So the two, all the two player ones, like the two, like the the, all the LED ones where you're facing someone. Yeah, we should the face to face ones. Exactly, can't get that same feeling. So it's great that they're preserving this, though. Either way, yes, obviously. So what they're basically talking about now is there's a Bayou Billy. Uh, can I one? I had no idea. I well, know they had a Lone this. Ranger, Garfield. There was a Bucky O'Hare. I had no three idea. Three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel, like they, I, feel like for some reason, I feel like for some reason they didn't sell a lot of those. I never come across those. I love them. They're, they're, I have they're... Top Gun. I have Skater Die. I have Ninja Turtles, I believe. Ninja I have, Turtles. I have Star Trek. The first uh, Ninja Turtles is so good. Star, is it Star Trek 25th? I have some of those. So, Knock anyway. them out boxing. I have that one somewhere. 
So yeah, Bambino, the name you can trust. So what they're talking, what, what what they kind of get at in the article is they want to keep doing this, emulating these games, but they want to maybe start going in the direction of making sure they get great pictures of all of. Oh, we can play two player knockout boxing. Yeah, you're interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is awesome. <laughs> they, they want to uh, make sure they get they document all the all the casing and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I think what might be interesting at some point is to see if, you know, eventually some of these things could be recreated via 3d printing. But so, yeah, I think this is uh, an excellent thing. Um, it's definitely fun to go poking around and play some of these. And I hope to see this project continue. Sorry, I'm playing knockout boxing. Now this is a, this is fantastic. Um, there's, there's probably a number of handhelds made between Japan and the U S it's gotta be a thousand. Oh, there's so many. There's so, I, just literally look just at my go, garage, and I don't know which ones I have anymore. <laughs> if, if, if you have insomnia, the best slash worst thing you can do is go poke around um, handheldmuseum.com. Oh yes, because you'll you'll be like, oh, that company even made them, you and know, then you'll like, start wanting like, all of them. And you'll remember something like 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 Epoch's a weird company that they made a bunch in the early '80s, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell happened to them. They got bought out or just went under. Yeah, you know. I have no idea. Um. Yeah, it, it's this fantastic work. Some of the ones real quick on the page that you could uh, go. There's right now how many? There's 74 they have already. There's MC Hammer. Uh, it's a weird. It, it's a nice variety because they have like uh, Master Merlin ones that were more like that was ubiquitous around that time too. I remember so many people having those. That's what I mean. So they're not just doing all quote unquote like traditional LCD games. They're doing some some off the beaten path. Yeah, stuff. they're they're really like, covering everything. Like that's... Speaking Spell, they have. Yep. They have the, they have um. Ultraman Monster Battle, one that we never saw or I ever heard. They have the, they have the, L, the LED like two player ones, like the baseball one. They have Double Dribble, the Konami one. They have older LED Football Tandy one, which if you played one, you probably played them all. But mm-hmm. you know, but the ones from the late seventies and video game years, we we covered that. They have the movie ones like Batman Forever, Double Dose of Doom. They have uh, a High Enkyo uh, one. Which I I've, want that. Which I've seen those. They have they have an R Zone. They have they have uh, Qbert. The Cubert uh, tabletop, which, which I have, really good one. That was a the part Frogger of that was one not is Coleco. really great yeah. as well. I have the uh, the. Frogger I always forget one. about picking up the Zaxxon one that was in the Coleco one, which is awesome. Astro Command, which they I have, have the Tron one, which is really good. That's I got a that one. one. Yep. So the, yeah, overall, there's probably about they have Zaxxon actually, but it's it's a Bandite's green. It's not the traditional one. So yeah, the tabletops there was about twenty made overall, including about the Coleco three Game and Watch ones, and a bunch of other ones. About twenty at most, I think, around there. You think there's more than that? I don't know. Depending how you, there's, there's, I mean, it depends on how, how you count it. You hunt. Yeah, like I don't count. So like, I'm thinking Dracula. I don't know. Anyways, I'm you, thinking about the yeah. arcade ones. Oh, or, like the yeah. actual, just the arcade ones. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, maybe about the like, of course, like Galaxian. You have Miss Pac-Man. You have Pac-Man. You, you have Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong Junior. Was it was it Game and Watch one? Snoopy was and Popeye. Uh, you know. Uh, handheld MC Hammer. And yes, Tamagotchi, the king of time wasters in the late '90s. And then there's an oh there's, there's is there one Game and Watch type one Thief and Garden yeah it's not Game and Watch but though. it's a type yeah. yeah there's actually no Game and Watches on here probably for obvious reasons the Nintendo would come after them for a Game and Watch well they do sell them in the collections I guess yeah not, they wouldn't come on Nintendo <laughs> all right moving on good good stuff these days Ian with the internet and with convenience of modern living and technology you can get everything on demand just like our podcast. You also can get postage on demand 
to mail letters and packages with stamps.com. That's right, stamps.com. You can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24 hours a day, seven days a week when it's convenient to you. I've used it plenty of times to mail out CU Podcast shirts, buttons, Pathianus Punk DVDs. You know, I'm making us money. You can do it in your pajamas. I can. I have mine right now. Thanks to stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier can pick it up. Just click print mail and you're done. It couldn't be easier. So how do you get the special offer, which includes $55 in free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial? How do you do that? Go to stamps.com. Click on the radio microphone right now at the top. And type in CU Podcast for your free $55 postage package, digital scale, and your four-week trial. Again, stamps.com, click on the microphone, enter the code CU Podcast, and you also can mail packages from, from your, your home. And pajamas. And pajamas. So um, we have an update. We had uh, GDC just passed, Game Developers Conference. And what was that, San Francisco? Yes. So... This is opening up our bread box and pulling out our bread if, and there, getting some butter if from something, our fridge. If there's something you can count on the CU podcast for, it's it's a coverage of weird ass new consoles with retro names, uh, all in one ROM consoles of dubious legality, uh, and this stuff, you know, all in one pipe dream systems. So, anyways. The Atari box is no longer the Atari box. It is now the Atari VCS, which has already existed. Which was the original name of the yeah. 2600. Right. In 77, 78. I mean, you in, know. In a couple of years after, I think. People love it when people when, when companies just reuse the same name as an old product. Um, you know, the Atari VCS is inspired by the iconic silhouette of the original 20, Atari 2600, which was originally called the Atari VCS. Yeah, but Whatever. F- fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I can't. Already, like, I'm so angry looking at the picture, okay. and I'll tell you why okay. I'm angry about okay, it. Wait, wait, why? Because uh, the prototype uh, joystick controller was obviously not thought about, because it once again only has a button. One button. One button on the left-hand side. They couldn't. They couldn't even put two on there. No just, joysticks back then. They made third-party ones that had two buttons. Yeah, I know. Just, I mean, I can't help Ian out. Help me out. Help, actually, help me out because when you play a game in the arcade, you usually use your left hand on the joystick anyway. It's dumb. Anyways, so this is just. I mean, let's let's just get into the shitty fucking right. corporate. So so they had here. they had prototypes to show off of the console, the, the, a, a snazzy looking joystick. Which is a it's a modernized version doesn't have two buttons though and the most it's the generic go to joypad of the twenty first century <laughs> yeah I guess you can say that with what you have two two uh, joysticks you have a a weird ass looking circular D pad yeah. that almost looks in television esque four face buttons and I'm sure there's a few triggers the only I guess clever thing is that on the left of the two joysticks. They have it red to emulate the red button of a 2600. That's clever. It is. It's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. The console still Ian wants to put his penis on, potentially. Maybe. Maybe with those angles, you don't want to get it caught up. Yeah, it's a little more angular than I thought. It's more angular now. Yeah. So that's not the issue, though. The Atari says the VCS hardware was inspired by the iconic silhouette. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> it's going to feature lots, lots 
That's the word we're using. Lots of classic Atari games, <laughs> along with current titles from a range of studios. Current titles, range of studios. What, Lots of classic it, games. Okay. No names. It's custom AMD processor. That's a big shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was told originally. Um, they said the launch was delayed. There was, there was, they felt the key, key element, element was, was missing. missing. I think the key oh, element no. don't, is a... Don't put it on a T for Ian and I. Don't put it on a fucking T. <laughs> yeah, the key, the put, key element's a system? Me, games? Reason to exist? A market? Yeah. <laughs> An audience? Anyone wanting this fucking thing? <laughs> You're not missing a key element. You're missing oh, a fucking keychain? You're missing the door? You're missing the door entirely. You're trying, to, least, you're trying I, to unlock a brick fucking wall. At least use a batting machine, a pitching machine when you're when you're doing these stories. Don't put it on a tee for us. I mean, fucking I mean, hell. Jesus Christ. That's, uh, that's why you're missing a key uh, element. With the Atari VCSM, we know how important it is to get everything completely right, and that's why we briefly paused. They briefly Usually. paused at imminent... They briefly paused at, what, the day of or just, day before? Yeah, just real quick. I gotta go take a piss. Hold on. Just one one brief pause. They briefly paused it. It was a difficult decision with a countdown underway, but we weren't willing to go, to go for it with even, even one, one thing, thing out, out of alignment. alignment. Because it was only one thing. It was just a key element. Just one thing. A key element. Atari, Interest. Atari plans... To announce when pre-orders will begin for the VCS sometime in April, they will announce when pre-orders will begin. They will, okay. The we're pre-orders going, we're are announcing. We're announcing our pre-order announcement the, for April. The teaser for the pre-orders is April. Uh, it's it's going to be. Pre, it was pretty estimated two fifty three hundred. Now the awesome article from the register. Oh, those blokes in the UK know how to write, yeah. don't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It was a difficult decision with the countdown underway, but we weren't willing to go forward. So this this article from the register to follow up was is we sent a vulture to find the relaunch Atari box and all we all he got was this lousy baseball cap. Things <laughs> get surreal in suite seven oh eight eight. Now when you go to these conventions there's usually have they they have these little little booths set up or little rooms. Yeah. This sounds like though it was actually it was a suite at the hotel they had Atari had decked out, it sounded like. Suite 7088 at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in San Fran. Directly opposite of the GDC. So they actually weren't set up at the GDC then? You had to go to the hotel room to hang out? Oh, okay. This sounds interesting. Yeah. That's that's good. So they checked it out. They said, one problem, though, doesn't work. And by not work, we don't mean it, it crashed or is having teething troubles. We mean it literally does not work. Oh. When Atari's chief operating officer, Michael Arts, this is by Kieran McCarthy, by the way, um, this article. When Atari's chief operating uh, officer, Michael Art, suggested we take a look at the ports in the back, we're surprised to find it actually weighs something. Atari knows how to mock up products. They're, they're, they're a little cheeky. They're a little cheeky with this article. It said, less impressive is the game controller, which looks like an industry standard, which we talked about. The sort of thing hooked up to an Xbox or PlayStation. The buttons don't move. The joysticks are rigid. It has nothing inside. The, tr- the, the traditional controller works, Arch told us, pointing to the square stick box with a red button that many, many years ago was the games controller. It's hard not to get a twinge of nostalgia. So that's basically a USB controller because they always exist. You can buy Atari 2600 USB controllers. Sure. So they basically got one and said, this is our prototype for it. I mean, that's probably what they did, I'm assuming, if it worked. Yeah. You wouldn't start I, I mean that's you a, wouldn't start with that first. You would start with the system first. From the book of Kennedy right there. Well, just the just just go grab a third party controller <laughs> and call it your prototype. Uh what happens if we plug this into our laptop? We ask Mike, I don't know, he says. Will it work? I don't know. If we plug it into different games machines, will it work? No. So it's custom hardware and software? I don't know about that. So this is the person representing Atari in the hotel room. 
God, this seems so Mike, fucking familiar. And his name is Mike, by the way. Yeah. I, I can't believe I skipped over that. Mike doesn't know lots of things about the Atari VCS, standing for Atari Video Computer System, which is odd because he's the exec in charge of it. For, but for those things he doesn't know, he makes up for all the things he does know, none of which he can tell us about. Launch date, can't say. Interface, can't tell you. Hardware manufacturer, can't tell you. Games <laughs> developer partners, we're talking to people. Tar- target market, we can't say. <laughs> We can't say what the target market is because we don't have one. We don't know. Wow, I can't believe I, I skipped the guy's name was Mike. We, we Mike tries to tell us that big product launches are suspended all the time. We tell them they really aren't. They aren't. And on the rare occasion that they are, the company goes out of its way to explain why and give a new launch timeline. Wow. Woo! Mike explains that the situation is the hours before the final countdown to a, a NASA rocket launch. Sometimes, even in the last few seconds... They have to call it off because of one small issue. Yes, this is very combo. Yeah, oh my god, a this fucking is game console like, uh, is combo to launching rocket a rocket launch. with people into space. <laughs> Holy shit! No, they they said we point out that a game's console is literally nothing like, like a, a rocket, rocket launch. launch. Ooh, they put they 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 suck it to Mike. These cheeky bastards at the register. <sighs> they don't they don't put up with guff. These these no, UK journalists. No, I love no, it. No, it's 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 good. Mike it's is getting tough. fed up. This is, I wish I was in the yeah, fucking room. Yeah, me too. We, we focus on finding actual real details, and then here's what we get. It'll cost around $250. It will be, in quotes, like a good laptop. It will do 4K video. It will use an AMD chipset. Uh, although they don't know which yet, it will run on Linux. Of course, these all run on Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Woo! Man. We are in a... <laughs> this is article's great. I don't want to recap the whole article, but they say, Crossroad companies are live demoing headsets that track your eyeballs and respond accordingly. Physically running around with sci-fi super guns. We were in a hotel suite staring at a games console from our youth that doesn't work. <laughs> and the answer, the only reason, is the name. Isn't that yeah. case in point? Yep. We thank, we thank Mike, wish him all the best, and grab an Atari-branded baseball cap on the way out the door. <laughs> wow. wow. And, that's, and that's all you need to say. Kieran said it better than we could because he was there. Uh, well... Yeah. Anything else to add? There's a lot of comments on the on this register article. Um, I, <laughs> so first, the first comment: just slap a Raspberry Pi in there and be done with it. Yeah, <laughs> slap a Super Nintendo in there with a copy of Arcade's Greatest Hits yeah. and just oh, call oh, it a wow. day. Wow, throwback, Ian. Yeah. Um, I, I what I'd like to think is that this might be, fingers fucking crossed, that we might see people stop trying to do this because they see it fail after this you think so well this is i mean in all the ways that i never imagined it would again this is honestly going down the road that the retro vgs and the chameleon did well this is a company that could might be able to put it out and have maybe the money to do it but it will it will get to what the coleco chameleon was going to do like have built-in games of shit you owned from 35 right. years ago, and then try to do modern stuff too. That won't like. It, there's no reason to do it. It's going to be a less success. Except at, that was on at a best, It's going to be less successful. Ooh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. So it, it's what's going to happen. But I'm saying, like, in terms of all fluff, no, no, no dish, no, no lined up. I mean, there's, look, there's no reason why these people wouldn't want to talk about it. Obviously, I mean, this, this. I don't even need to say that. If you had games lined up, if you had big name developers behind you, you'd be fucking shitting that all over the internet right now. This is what's going to be. It's going to be awesome looking. It's yeah. going to remind you of it. Maybe it'll be well made. 
You're going to turn it on. You're going to get a cute little Atari logo like you're turning on your fucking Sega Dreamcast. You're going to boot up to an interface where you can access Hulu, Netflix, and anything else you can do on any Roku, any smart TV, or any device that's been out for the last 8 to 10 years. And then you're going to have uh, 50 of the same built-in Atari games you've had on every fucking flashback, on every greatest hits you've had for the past 20 years. Yeah. That's what you're going to have for $300 or $250 mm-hmm. with one controller that's probably going to be average at best and one USB controller that's already on the market joystick that Ian can't use because they hate lefties. They hate lefties, but you can sit and spin. Um, so, yeah, what, where, where I was going, though, is so I, I think this I still think this is very much in the same same area. This person is trying to cash in on nostalgia. They have well, the company no, is, yeah. yeah, the company's trying to cash in on nostalgia. These people have no idea what they're talking about. This is going to fail, and I, I think maybe if this fails in a more public way than the Coleco Chameleon and Retro VGS did, uh, in a bigger spotlight, then maybe people will stop trying this fucking horrendous bullshit with, um, you know, trademarks and stuff like that and stop trying to bring back these old retro systems. I mean, 250 bucks. Fucking insulting. Get a Switch. 50 bucks more. Go, go buy a fucking PS4 for 50 bucks less used. I mean, eat my shit. I'm done. <laughs> so, this is interesting topic that I'm actually not as down on as you might seem. Uh, I've known Chris Kohler alerted me to this. Looks like there's going to be a second video game grading uh, service on the rise. It's called WADA. WADA Game Certification. They posted on Nintendo Age. And the people that are starting this come from Nintendo Age, some of them, but they're incorporating others. So just from the start, I can say I like this idea because they're telling you who's involved and what these people are and what their pedigree is. Yeah, let me come out on this right off the bat and say that obviously things remain to be seen. But sure, um, I am so excited for this because here's the thing. When you read the announcement that um, they make... On my favorite website, by the way. I haven't yes, said in a while. Nintendo Age, your favorite website. When you read the announcement, it's a long announcement, but you know it is it is good. Um, at least there's a lot of info in there. When you get to the bottom, they state obviously that you know grading and all that is not for everyone. I, I'm I'm still pretty much in the boat that I'm not really into the whole grading of games thing. But no, absolutely, it's not. too late. But it's too late. Okay, it's, that's the It's there. It's for a very small portion of video game collectors, but it's, but it's there. there. Yes, and I. I've already stated many times I do not like VGC. It's already there. It's out. I read the announcement. I know a lot of the people who are involved with it. I've read the back of it. And this is exactly what VGC would have needed for me to even consider being okay with it. And now because VG- I, I don't want people thinking that I'm I'm flip-flopping here. No, it's not. What it is is VGC came out and I did not agree with it, which then... Once that happened, we weren't going to uh, graded games weren't going to disappear. That opened the market then for something that I did agree with in terms of grading. This is it. The biggest issue I had, and Chris Kohler, when I had the conversation with him in our Twitter war, the great Twitter beef of 2018, going back and forth about VGC, was the transparency of VGC was non-existent. Right. 
You didn't know what their qualifications were. Mm-hmm. All you knew was they that they they done it for something else. They had done it for toys. So they had they, they know how to build acrylic cases. Congratulations, cool. Doesn't mean you know how to grade a, a video game. Right. That was always the issue with me. You know who these people are. You know how they're trained. You don't know how they're tracking things. You don't know what the criteria is, and and there was no pedigree for that. Yeah. So now we've built up a, at least some sort of in the past ten years or even less than that. There's been people that have collected and traded and sold a bunch of um, sealed games with people that would probably know more about than even the people that were grading at VGC to begin with. Yeah. So now you're starting to build real authorities and experts. So some of the people involved, this is what the, the announcement is. It's a, it's a thread on Nintendo Age uh, here. Um, so they said, uh, we were always collectors first. This is, uh, let's see, a Super NES man is a longtime member. Joined in 2008. That's when I joined. I'm a long time, or 2000, early 2000. I'm a long standing member of Nintendo Age, by the way. Um, okay. I know, I, I'm in good standing. I'm a long standing member. Um, we are a company grown from this community of video game collectors. Our vision is to grow and elevate the video game hobby that we love so dearly from one based in nostalgia into the, the legitimized appreciation of art and history that it deserves. Through competency, consistency, and transparency, there's the word, we aim to create objective standards. There was never standards. With VGC, that we that will reinvigorate reinvigorate confidence in the marketplace and make the collecting experience a rewarding one. All right, obviously they're going to make money on this. It's a business. Well, sure, but there is a need for this. Yes, there, there absolutely is. is a need. Well, that's for what, a competitor that, and a better one. That's what I was getting at with with the creation of VGC. It, so with the creation of VGC, whether we like it or not, the the grading market for video games sprung into existence. It wasn't going to go away. So that opened, in my mind, a need for something like this. And this is being done the way that I would want it to be be done. I mean, this is what I would want to see. The WADA family includes our four founders and extends to our trusted advisors who we have invited to be community advocates, each bringing their own unique and expert perspectives in, to help accomplish our overall vision and representing the community interests. Four of our expert members are here on NA. Dane, salt of the earth, honest guy, is a sealed collector, and he has mentioned stuff about BGC that he dislikes. So that's the natural fit. And I would trust him. I feel him like that's probably one of the best choices you could have made. Dane, I love Dane. I love Dane. Uh, Dan or Bronte, who's a big seal time collector. At one point, he had, I think, the almost the entire set sealed or just about. I, I've gotten to heated back and forth uh, with him in the past about the philosophy of, of, of collecting uh, sealed games and my disagreement, but I would trust him since he's a guy that's been collecting sure. forever. Right, uh, and that's who you want on that on that panel. Jonas uh, or, or Joan Bone, I've, I've seen him around. He's a longtime member. Don't know too much specifically about him. I might have said hi to him once at the convention. And Josh Kicksmaster, who I've met at tons of these conventions. We've had issues in the past, but we're we're on good terms now. And I would trust him though. He's a he's a longtime collector. I would I would trust him. Uh, other advisory board members hail from comic and coin collecting markets with deep roots in certification. See, I think that's, that's Paul, very important too. Paul Lich and Matt Nelson, CGC's two primary graders. So we have two coin guys. Um, and then, or is that comic? That's comic. It's comic. Oh, oh. And Jim Halperin, which is a name I've heard of before. Co-founder and owner of Heritage Auctions. Yes. That's important. Heritage Auctions is pretty legit. Yeah. And I mean, having the guys from CGC. And and- Josh Nathanson. Founder owner of Comic Link, which I've heard of as well as as auction. Having guys from CGC in there and uh, Coin, I mean the the importance of that can't be um, can't be overstated because that's where you're going to get 
the insight into what should be graded, what should be what are the for, standards, what are the standards, what how do we establish a set of guidelines for right, our graders? Exactly, exactly, and and communicating communicating that to the community, especially because you know when you're looking at a video game, it's there's so many more aspects if you're going to grade this, so many more angles. It's a it's a much more three dimensional object than a you know, a comic book which lays flatter. You know what I'm saying? There's there's so much more to take into account, I would think, that, you know, establishing that, that set of standards is probably going to be more difficult and all that input is going to be uh, very useful. So what games will they certify? Um, certifies any games for the following systems and links coming April 2nd. There are rare exceptions when the game, for, when the box for a game is too large to encapsulate in our case. Uh, they are currently grading standard size games for the following systems. NES, all states, Super Nintendo, all states, N64, complete in box and sealed. Interesting. Uh, GameCube, complete in box and sealed. Wii, complete in box and sealed. Wii U, complete in box and sealed. So when they say all states, they mean just if I give you a cartridge, you're going to grade it? Yeah. That could be weird. And I'll get into that uh, later uh, about grading. I can see a point for certifying, but now I have a fear that we're going to get into a state where you're going to go to gaming conventions and you're going to see stacks of hard-to-find NES games or ones that are over $200 are going to be slabbed. That's a bad state uh, of affairs if we get to there. That is bad. That I do not agree with if they go that route. No. I think there's still easy ways to tell a reel from a fake cartridge without having to certify, have a person certify it. Anyone with a, with a tool bit and an eye for recognizing a real versus fake label can do that. I don't agree with that. Certification over slabbing, though, can still be done. But then if you certify, it has to be slabbed. Oh, true. So, yeah, yeah. So you can't yeah. swap it out. Okay, I got a problem with that. I'm going to come on record with that. Uh, so everything else, though, is either complete in box and sealed. Okay. Uh, Sega Genesis, complete in box and sealed. No love for the Master System. Sega CD, complete in box and sealed. All the rest are basically complete in box and sealed. 32X, Saturn, makes sense. Xbox, regular Xbox. Xbox 360, if, if you want to do that for some reason. PlayStation 1 Long Box and PlayStation, not not regular PlayStation, just, just PlayStation 1 Long Box. Interesting. And PlayStation 2. And they'll begin the grade soon. Everything else. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Virtual Boy, Loose and 64 games. Hmm. Game Boy Advance, DS, 3DS, Switch, Game & Watch. Oh, that's cool. How would you, I guess you would rate the, I guess the... How good the, the, uh, Just the cover overall is. overall condition and probably the uh, the LCD. Master System, Game Gear, Dreamcast, 2600, 52, 7, all, all the Atari consoles besides the new VCS. Xbox One, every Sony thing coming soon, with, including the Vita. Uh, Turbo Graphics and, and CD. To uh, Nokia Engage, if you want to do that. TigerGame.com for the three people who want to get those graded. CDI, 3DO, what we don't grade. Video game systems, video game accessories. Video game Affirma. Magazines, paperwork, etc. Video game trophies and miscellaneous. They don't grade for AES, CDI Longbox, Sega Pico. I wouldn't think about that ever. And big box PC games. Oversized games we they can't grade are like NES Arkanoid, Carbon San Diego, Stack Up. I guess they don't have the cases for it. They don't have the ability yet. Right. Uh, Super Nintendo Earthbound. So anything out of the ordinary set. So, uh, yeah. So I do like the idea in theory. I hate the idea of grading cartridge only stuff. I cannot tell you how much that bot is going to bother me if that actually becomes a thing. Because what's going to happen is people think it's going to automatically raise the value sure. for people. Where if I get a Super Mario 3, 
I could buy one on eBay for 15 bucks, or I can, I can spend $80 on one, and the cost to grade it's probably going to be like, I don't know, in between that. So they're going to they're know there's going to be an instant profit markup on it, which is why I don't like, in theory, grading sealed games anyway, because there's this automatic assertion of value because it's graded. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, but they're filling a, a need. I don't it, it. You'll have to see what the market does. I'm going to see. I don't think there's a need to to grade, unless it's unless it's like a one of a kind item or two of a kind item. You want to you want to certify an NWC cart? That's fine. You want to you want to start doing that for like little Samsons? I think that's sort of pointless uh, to me. You know, when there's so many of them compared to like other items. But. Yeah, I mean, with loose ones, that's definitely a spot where I'm a little more. But I wish them luck. Yeah. Uh, at least they're going to get feedback from the community, right? I, I mean, I think I'm like 80% pretty much in, in their court on all of this. The the loose stuff, that's going to be a little... I'm a little, yeah. A little dicey. They I'm, have, the, they, they have examples. You, you can see a, a Zelda Link to the Past in a case. And it's like, all right, can I take it, take it out at least? Water resistant, UV protected. That's like the other ones. Uh, lock systems. They're secured with six locking tabs. Okay. I mean, I have no problem buying them just to have them. If you can take the game out. I really don't. Right. Tamper evident. Oh. You get destroy the holder themselves to take them out. Oh. Okay. And they're going to be at uh, certification debuts at C2E2. What is that? Is that an event? Yeah. I never heard of that. Where is that one at? Uh, it's every year. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, it's Chicago. And it's like it's like a CES sort of thing? It's comics and something. Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. So they'll be there. April 6th to 8th, when I'll be at... Oh, I'll be at PAX East that weekend. Interesting. Same weekend. Not a good weekend for that. I mean, honestly, uh, overall, I, I wish them luck. I just... Sure. I, I, I think that... I think this is a hole that needs to be filled. And I, uh, I, I'm i certainly... And I hope it shuts up the people that, like, like, that were going out yelling about me and you like well this is the problems we've had for this for like 10 years oh i'm not unreasonable i my yeah. my problem with vcs yeah i have a, i it, personally i i have a weird thing with with grading games I, it just it, it strikes me as odd but as as i've gotten older it, the grading of things in general has bothered me less and i think well it never I, caught on it's very niche Sure, but as I've gotten older, just in general, the grading of things in general, it bothers me less. It bothers me less with video games. And like I said, v, VG, VGC wasn't ever going away, which in my mind just... Look, we can argue about that all we want, but really all that... all The only solution to it was to create a better VGC, a sure. better grading, a better... Um, a God. better service, a better service, a better people that we service. actually we actually know these people and can contact them and have standards and practices and objective qualifications for so, what's a seven versus eight right. versus nine versus ten. Which like I always said, I don't know what a fucking ninety versus eighty five versus eighty is. Yep. I don't know what that means. We're finally going to get something like that, as right. opposed to everything being very good eighty five plus. Best of luck, Street Fighter series in development, Ian. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so we've got a Street Fighter TV series in development. It's um, it's uh, gonna be. Uh, stop making noises, Pat. It's going to be uh, based on the Street Fighter Two uh, story arc. It's of going course. to follow Ryu, Ken, Guile, and Chun Li, and they're going to take down M Bison. It's going to be live action. <laughs> They're going to take down M. Bison. Yep, it's going to be live action, and I honestly don't feel like it's going to do very well. Um, Why not? 
as much as I like fighting games and I like the silly stories attached to fighting games, I just don't see the Street Fighter one adapting particular because when I think about it, it here's here's the stupid part when I think about it for as maligned as the Street Fighter 2 movie was it, it it's kind of the I mean yeah certain shots could be done better special effects acting but it's kind of the best case scenario of how that story can be done yes just because you have unlike something like uh, Mortal Kombat which is more directly tied into um you know, Bruce Lee movies in particular. A lot more characters. A lot more characters. A lot more silliness already inherent yes. in that game going on where you can just do a whole lot more stupid shit with it. Mm-hmm. The storyline in, especially in that, they're doing the World Warrior stuff because that's what everyone well, no one knows. gives a shit about Street Fighter 1. Well, no, but they're doing the World Warrior stuff because that's what everyone knows. Oh, yeah. But the storyline gets way crazier in later Street Fighter stuff, but everyone knows Street Fighter 2. But that storyline is so simplistic that if that's what you're going to do, honestly, on paper, the Street Fighter 2 movie did it. Yeah, and then the the cartoon series, which you can say did a great job of translating over as much as they could for kids in the 90s. So four protagonists, just like the fucking movie, Ryu, Ken, Guile, and Chun-Li. You know, yeah. I mean, they're. I, I just they take the, they fight to take down M Bison, the evil mastermind who runs Shadowloo. Again, it's a fucking cartoon. Uh, a global criminal organization, th- though on different dur- journeys, our heroes' paths will cross as they are drawn into the World Warrior Tournament, a competition devised by M Bison to find the most powerful and capable fighter in the world. I mean, that's a real difference. In the movie didn't really focus on the tournament too much. No, it was just more like the secret missions and shit, right? So that's I, they, they did. They did the anime movie was supposedly. Did a decent job, right? Yeah, I mean, notable so, for for freaking Chun Li bathing. Like, right. That's what it's known for. I mean, so okay, you know, you you add more fighting into this, but I still feel like what we're gonna get is sort of just a more serious version of a storyline that you can't really write that many ways. No, did you see the Assassin's Fist thing from a few years ago? No, that they did. Uh huh. So so this is uh, the team behind that. And this was on... Where did this premiere? I remember watching it a little bit, I thought. It was a web series. And uh, I guess for a web series, it was pretty good. I, I, think, I think I watched it originally. Yeah, there was a short film, Street Fighter Legacy. It was like three minutes. It shows Ryu and, and Ken fighting. And the effects are good. The martial arts are really good. Um, it's, it's Yeah, it's not... Yeah. Yeah, I did see this. I did see this short fan film. Um, yeah. So... I, I... It, it's odd. I mean, as a, I generally like Street Fighter games more than you know Mortal Kombat games, but I would the Mortal Kombat series would was uh, a far more interesting concept to me than the TV series. Yeah, I never saw that. It was this being like a TNT or something? Uh, no. I or was think that it, on? No, I thought it was web web only. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Um, I thought there was there there was a TV series though. Oh, I don't know. There was. I think it was like TNT, like the late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, I'm talking about the web, web only series. one okay. that they were doing. Yeah. Um. This, I I kind of feel like that, you know, maybe it was probably better left maybe to a, a goofier interpretation, even if that was perhaps not the the intent. Sure. So, so this is, yeah, I'm watching the trailer for the Assassin's Fist one. So if it's the same team doing it, I mean, the, the martial arts has to be good. Obviously, you need portrayals. You need some sort of budget that works. I think in martial arts movies, it's always a little simpler, the budget. Yeah. 
We don't need all then you know, with Hadoukens, I think that's easy. You can do that in After Effects nowadays. Most of these effects, you know, are are doable for on the cheap. Yeah, they're like stock. A lot of these things. So I mean, I I check it out. I just I I don't have any high hopes about it for it. You know. Sure. And then I guess what would they do for the the second season? Would they do Street Fighter Three? What would they? Do? I have no idea. See, everyone knows the story is Street Fighter 1 Ryu beats uh, uh, Sagat. Yeah. Street Fighter 2, what's the official story? Is it just Chun-Li beat M. Bison? Is that the official story for the second one? Yeah, right. Is there official? You know how in Mortal Kombat there's officially yeah. stories? You fucking the end got of... me. I don't know. I, I actually follow the you know the, the King of Fighters and the, the Mortal Who? Kombat stories more than Who? I do the Street Fighter stories. Who won Street Fighter 2? I'm looking that up right now. What's the official? What's the official canon? There has to be an official canon, right? Uh, Guile won the second one. He was going to kill Bison, oh, so they went yeah. for that ending. Okay, and his wife stopped him. So that's where that's the official story. I didn't, oh, I thought they had Chun Li. All right. So all right, I didn't know Guile won Street Fighter too. So that's the ending. And when you're playing it officially, there you go. You should play Guile and get that ending. When she says, "No, don't do it. You're a man that I love. You can't be murdering someone." All right, this is going to be. When is this coming out? Uh, I don't fucking know. When oh. it's coming out. Check your local TV. <laughs> Check your local internet for time and, and station channel, whatever. Blue Apron. We love the Blue Apron. We love the Apron of Blue. It's the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. What do you like about Blue Apron, Ian? Well, it's convenient. The food comes to you fresh, locally sourced. Locally, the recipes are delicious. So they give you all you need to cook, the exact amount, everything. Tell us about those dumplings you made, Pat. No, the hoisin chicken steam buns. Ah, yes. Delicious. And I, it tasted like something from a restaurant. Absolutely. I always talk about those, that, that Asian fusion pork meal I had that I could not have made without blueapron.com. You can get a two-person meal plan. It serves two people. You can get two or three recipes a week. But you also get the family meal plan, which I did because I'm, I'm a little bit larger. Serves four people. <laughs> you can choose from four new recipes, and then you can choose to receive either two or three or four recipes any week. Wow, you can get all four. That's a huge family. It is. If you get all, these are big servings. Yeah, they're they're pretty giant. The the family one says it's like four servings. I usually make that six or seven at times. I I split that up. I yeah, make it last. Depending on how the the servings are portioned, it's easy to make that more than four. It's convenient. There's a ton of variety every week. There's usually like one chicken, one beef, one vegetarian option. A with fish, a, some sort of fish of some sort that's hanging out in the river there, waiting for Blue Apron to come and snag him out of the river there. Um, there's up to 12 new recipes each week offered. You can pick two, three, or four. You don't. Have, you can skip weeks. You don't have to do it if one week. If say if you're going to a convention, you're, you're rooming with Ian. You hear me singing in the shower. You, then you don't want Blue Apron that weekend. But the next weekend you're going to want it. So, CU podcast listeners can get thirty dollars off your first order if you go to blueapron.com/slash CU Podcast. You can check out this week's menu. And again, $30 off blueapron.com slash CU Podcast. It's good food. It's convenient. It doesn't take you. Some of your recipes are like 25 minutes. Some are 45 minutes. Some might get up to an hour if you don't know how to, you know, crush garlic properly <laughs> like me and press and know how to do the lemon wedge thing the way you're supposed to. But if, if, you're, if you're experienced at all, you, you'll be quicker. <laughs> get a box of Tasty. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Blue Apron is a better way to cook Ian we have the um, Patreon Patreon topic uh, poll and we won out here this won out with 49% of the vote um, that... do you want to get into it yeah so about the this is what is this 
Console setup services that exist. Yeah, so I've seen these before. This was uh, asked. This was a, a topic uh, suggestion that was brought up a while back, and we threw it into our uh, vote for a topic poll on our Patreon, which is at cu uh, at Patreon. <laughs> <It's- laughs> he never gets it right. It's cu podcast. Oh. It's patreon.com slash cu podcast. Fuck. Can't think. My brain is absolutely on fire right now. Uh, right. Yes. And you know, there you can do a voting. Um, <laughs> there, there you get other. You get you get first access to this. You would you would if you're watching this now. You're seeing it first. What? Do a vote. And, um, and there's a Discord chat in there as well. Anyway. Anyways, this is about. I've seen them in the U.S. I've, I have. I've, I've seen them at places like Best Buy. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember where else I'd seen them. Maybe Turn even possibly at Circuit City. I, I when they were around. Best Buy. Um, but it was brought to our attention that it's happening over in Europe as well. This is uh, so. Stores will offer a Geek Squad type service to you. I think it was Geek Squad who was actually the the company that I saw offering it at Best Buy. Right, I walk into a Best Buy. And I buy, let's just say, a Wii U or a Switch. Or a, a Switch, or let's just use a, way, an Xbox One. By the way, I haven't found my Switch yet after I move. I can't find it. I, I don't. You're ridiculous. I don't know where it is. Um, so, there are these services that will, you know, try to scare parents, essentially, with, oh, did you know that these systems will need an update before you can oh. use it? or. You know, you'll need to connect this to your Wi-Fi and Whoa. this, that, and the next thing. And they'll use... Scare tactics? Yeah, these terms um, to, you know, kind of scare you into thinking that, you know, it might be hard to set it up or your, you know, your kid or your wife or your husband might not be able to use their device right away when they get it on Christmas. And they literally... Try, like this one right here, the, the sign that the, they sent us shows the console setup service from LoveTech... Will only, Love tech. Will only free delivery will only run you sixty nine euros. Sixty nine what euros? Which is like like eighty something dollars. Yeah, and I think it was like what running like sixty or seventy in the U S. when I when I saw the sign. Sixty nine euros is eighty five dollars. Oh my, my pat math was on. So these people want to fleece wow. you for eighty five dollars to pull the system out of a box, hook it up to their store internet, and press start. And ask you, hey, what's your Wi-Fi code? Which is what you would do anyway when you're when you're setting it up. Well, I mean, that's what I mean, they. I mean, you would do that at home. So, like this exactly. this one, all this one is literally doing. Love this, tech. The, all this one is doing because they're saying free delivery. Is, Love tech. They are literally hooking it up to the store internet, downloading the update, which takes three hour, which takes anywhere from an hour, half an hour to three hours, depending on you know what system it is. Putting it back in the box. And then delivering it to you for eighty five dollars. Well, then you still have to set it up at you your still place. Have to set it up at your set place. up your Wi Fi and yep. do all that. So they're not really saving you that much time. No, they're saving that because in those three hours you would have done it yourself. You would have done the updates yourself. Yep, they're saving you no absolutely zero time. They're saving you except you for the update. Yeah, but you get the, but the time for them to do the update that you don't have the console. Right. So there's saying, no time saved. Well, except for you don't have to sit there and wait for the update to download for three hours. Okay. Right. That's, that's sure. That's it. That's that's it. Which I mean, when we sell these things, the easy thing to do. Oh my fucking god! And and lots of people, lots of stores do this. Is you just say, hey, if you're getting this for someone for Christmas, hook it up the night before, and download that update. 
And they're, the ones that Geek Squad will actually like, at, like come over and be like, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know. Well, oh, they'll I, actually come over. I, I've seen, I, yeah, the one that I saw at Best Buy, I'm pretty sure, said that they would come over and hook it up and, you know, put the Wi Fi on, which is also hand holdingly simple on like all these modern well, systems. Well, yeah, because people do it with put their phones. Put your password and iPads. Here. It's the same shit. Okay, you're done. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Find your network. Maybe that's your, maybe your dead cat. We are, yeah. That I love so much. We are, uh, okay, we're going to download an update. Don't touch anything. Just walk away until it says we're done. Okay, now play your game. So Geek Squad, it's it's $99. You can add it to the cart, I guess, when oh, you buy Geek, your console. Are you serious? Geek Squad is in, charging 100 In-home, it's in-home gaming console and virtual reality setup. Sit back and let a Geek Squad agent set up your gaming console, including online accounts, parental controls, and necessary updates. After completing your order, you'll receive a confirmation email that contains a redemption code. You can then schedule your appointment by calling 1-800-GEEK-SQUAD. Please print your Geek Squad confirmation email. Be ready when the agent arrives at your cho- chosen location. Because that's what I want in my house. Because the overall c- customer rating, 3.6 stars. Only 60% would recommend. Oof. Yeah, I mean, because... Let's see some of the reviews. Oh, God. I know that... People are afraid of tech, and I know that there are people who think they can't do it, but everyone knows, everyone who's buying one of these, if they don't know how to do it, knows someone who can do it for them in five minutes. <laughs> this review, only hooked it up! Of course, Miles may vary based upon your Geek Squad member. Right. He came into the home, attached the correct cords, and started downloading a game while spending 20 minutes texting his friends. Did not provide any insight that would help me learn to use the device at all. Just stated, do this, then this, and... And figured I knew what this was. When asked to help me learn it, he answered, well, if you have a 10-year-old grandkids, they'll know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, if you had 10-year-old grandkids, you could have saved the entire... Isn't that funny, entire... though, is that we went, we went from the generation, like, like like half the first generation have home consoles. So maybe... But we didn't know have experience with TV, so maybe we can hook it up with our parents or we can do it ourselves. Now they think that people can't do this anymore, but we've been around. Now we're, we're in parenting age. We know how to do this shit. Right. We grew up with computers. So how many people actually need this service? We're talking like a very small pie portion of the population. I want cherry. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like that's why it's so expensive. You know, for every person they fleece on this, they, they feel like they have to get sure. you know, as much money as possible out of it. All right. You want to talk about Daniel Bryan? Being clear to return to wrestling? You can. Daniel Bryan's uh, cleared to return to wrestling. Woo! Well, he was cleared for at least like a fucking year, year and a half by his own medical team and other specialists. For some reason, WWE wouldn't clear him forever. Right. So I guess he repleted his case. And this is the, the timing's strange. Obviously, it's, obviously it's WrestleMania. But um, the, he, he announced it. Uh, it was awesome on SmackDown. It was the, obviously the best SmackDown in... Probably a year since uh, they had a, a shift in the in the in the creative team when SmackDown was head and head and shoulders above Raw for everyone. I told you about that. Now it's just the same product almost entirely, just shorter. And he came back and said, "Yeah, I'll, I'm going to be returning. I don't know when, but I'm going to be doing that." And then this built into the great uh, the great storyline. The, the main storyline SmackDown for the past six months has been uh, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn mm-hmm. and having a rivalry and. and uh, Daniel Bryan being in the middle, sort of being like, okay, you can't be totally unfair to these two guys. You can't fire him. So he's kind of like sticking up for these guys who are his friends, you know, from back in the day. But he's also in charge of SmackDown. So he's like, it's a really a decent storyline for mm-hmm. what it is. And so but they attacked Shane uh, last week in the storyline. And then now they announced he actually really has diverted, diverted, 
Diverkulikus. Yeah. I can't say the damn word. Fuck. He has the, the thing the in his intestines yes. that almost killed Brock Lesnar. Yes. Um, so it's kind of weird about what's going on with him, really. Um, diverticulitis. There it is. So, but it was a feeling, though, that something was brewing with this that they were going to build towards uh, Shane and Daniel Bryan tag teaming against uh, Owens and Zayn and WrestleMania, which would be huge. This is how Bryan back. So the, the end of SmackDown was, was fucking amazing. Because Brian comes out, he brings out Zane and Owens. He says, "You guys, I was it was for you guys. We've known each other forever. How can, why did you attack Shane?" He said, "I have to fire you." He says, "This isn't forever." He said, "I've been fired from the company twice." And then, of course, they attacked him. But then, when Brian gets fired up and in his in his jeans and his and his you know his work clothes, mm-hmm. it was like it, it instantly came back to holy shit. The crowd went nuts. Oh. <laughs> with nice. the yes chance when he started laying in the kicks and doing the running the running uh uh corner drop drop kicks uh-huh. it was like nothing there was like no time in between the past two years when he when he had to retire <laughs> you know it was it was it was incredible like it like he's a it's a game changer him being able to wrestle again for not just the reasons where people will give a shit about WE as much because no one gives a shit about Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for like the fucking third time or whatever. Many times no one gives a shit. Right. Um, it's dead in the water. Uh, but if Brian works his way back to wrestling, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and, and uh, 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 Nakamura, like, holy shit. Now you have all these dream matches that you could do or which I want him to do. Uh, his contract's up in September. He goes to New Japan at that point. Right. And then that would put... New Japan is, is starting to get rise in popularity more and more. But if they get Daniel Bryan as a roster guy, fucking forget it. They could put up put up shows in the U.S. every other month if they wanted to do that yeah, with sure. Daniel Bryan. So it's, it's very ex- exciting. I'm so happy for him because he's wanted to do this. And supposedly he's been cleared by fucking everyone. So it's not like the risk is... The risk isn't any greater... Than sure. what it was, you know what I mean at this point, right? So he passed the test. I don't know why W didn't want to clear him. Maybe they thought that well, he would take shine off of their golden boy Roman Reigns, probably like he did yeah, in the past. There's probably a, a a good chance of that. I think they probably realized. I mean, there's a lot of rumors that he was, you know, one way or another, he was going to wrestle again, whether it was with them or not. So, you so know, they might as well let him do it before yeah, he leaves. Right. He basically said, "I'm going to be wrestling again, no matter what." Right. If not for WWE, he said. So that I mean, I think for them, they realized it was. Let's make some money off of this. Yeah, they time. probably were doing it Maybe because they, they were being, you know. Yeah, there was no chance of him sticking around at all as in the GM role. He has no interest in that. Yeah. You know. So, you know, they probably were holding back a little bit for trying to get Reigns, you know, to, to you know, part of that push maybe. And then they realized that, well, maybe we should actually let the guy that people like wrestle. Let's let's let the most popular wrestler in the world wrestle. I mean, and I because he's cleared. I need to clarify that, you know, because I think people took it as me being way negative. Obviously, if the guy wants to wrestle, I want him to wrestle. And yeah, I do worry about him because I'm sick of seeing so many of these wrestlers broken when they get to, you know, 50. But if he wants to wrestle, let him wrestle. I'm happy he's back. I'm happy he can do what he wants. I just he can wrestle a safer style. Yeah, I would like him to. That, I mean, that's submission based style. That's where I'm going. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd like him to wrestle a safer style. No more fucking dumbass. They should ban the fucking suicide dive. Every fucking match now on Raw, they do a suicide dive. Jesus, that's how Ryan got fucked up once. That's how Lita, I think, got fucked up once. Other people got fucked up hitting their heads with that stupid move. It's just dumb. 
your feet get tied up in the ropes and you take a header. I think it's happened to Sasha Banks. Like I, th- I think I saw like a month or two back it happened. Right. But you know yeah. we'll ban all of these moves that you know haven't you know haven't really killed anyone. anyone. Pile yeah. driver never really killed anyone. No. Stone Cold that was not a proper pile driver though with Owen Hart. But like that's a dangerous move. Yeah, there are certain issues that you know. I mean, power bombs, pile drivers. You know, um, yeah, they they look rough. You don't want people emulating. Always that. doing them all the time. Sure, but but how much have they? How much damage have they actually caused over time? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you look at something like the suicide dive and the injury rate. Diving there. headbutts. Yeah, diving. That headbutts. guy my kid did, and he's fucked up. Benoit, we know that. Yeah. Daniel Bryan did the diving headbutt. Just I think they banned that. I think they just said yeah, that's not ever happening again. Yeah. Stuff where your head's diving at someone and you can't really protect your head. But the curb stomp, you know, got banned and it's like... They brought it back. I don't know why they didn't ban that. They brought it back. Yeah, they banned it. It's like, that's not... That's like an incredibly soft move. It's a soft pedigree. Yeah. That's exactly what that move is. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You know, but they need Daniel Bryan. The the faces in the WWE are so weak and weird. Mm -hmm. Seth Rollins is a great worker. Fantastic. Never mind the fact that he killed Sting's career or helped to, but um, he's a boring face. You don't want to you don't want to root for him. No, uh, Dean Ambrose. They they they. I thought Dean Ambrose was he was great, gonna be, he was going to be the next big thing. They but ruined he it. ruined it. they ruined they, it. They made him bland and boring and weird instead of being like a rowdy rowdy Piper character. They made which him which is like totally a, what he should have been. They made him to his weird ass weird psychopath, but not really psycho. Just a goofy guy, and then obviously Reigns never worked and never will work. Um, and then you have Daniel Bryan, yeah, who's everyone fucking loves because they should love him because he's, he's genuinely the nicest guy in the world. Wish, wish me a happy birthday. I didn't have to when I saw him those years back. <laughs> and you can tell he loves wrestling. Like yes. when he does his promos, he's not putting on a character. No. That's He's not him. acting, which is why this is which is what most they should be promoting that, which is why New Japan is so beloved. Because for the most part, those are extension of those guys' personalities. You know, the warrior spirit. You see some of those guys like, yeah, those guys would kill me in real life. And that's how they wrestle. And that's why there's a connection to guys like uh Godu or uh Suzuki, you know, guys that were mixed martial arts guys that could kill you. Like and they they look they look like psychopaths because they partially are. Right. You know. So anyway, speaking of that real quick, uh they had New Japan return uh uh, to Long Beach yesterday. Excellent card. Uh, the Golden Lovers match versus the Young Bucks was amazing. Nice. I've seen it noted as five stars. It is, I would say, a five-star tag match, and those are hard to do for a tag match. And I recommend everyone uh, checking checking that out. All right, Ian. It's time now for the Patreon live voice Q&A. Woo. Patreon.com slash podcast. You can call in and leave us a comment or question. And here's the first one here. Hey, Pat Ian, how is it going? It's me, Rashid, from Dubai. Love the new studio, by the way. Uh, my question is, uh, when you guys started collecting, uh, what self-made rules uh, you followed when you collect? Uh, for example, for me, when I started collecting uh, my DS and 3DS games, I made a rule that I will not buy any game that I would personally will not be interested in playing, even if I get to play it or not. Let's say there is a limited edition of that game. I really want to get that, so if I don't really like the game, I will not buy it. Since uh, uh, you collect for so many uh, systems, what kind of rules will you make to make it uh, easier or satisfying for yourself uh, when you collect? And that's my question. Thank you guys as always. Peace. 
Yeah. Uh, hi, Rashid. Um, so when I first started collecting, that was kind of the problem. I, I actually didn't set any rules for myself. Um, that's how I kind of burned out on it. I was, you know, mostly focusing on a, a original Nintendo and, um, I, I, I kind of went into it with the loose idea that I wanted a full set. So I just started buying and buying and buying. And as I did that, um, I was getting into Genesis and really just picking up anything video game related. Um, it wasn't that big of a deal until I started, um, until I moved out to San Diego. And I just realized, you know, that I had kind of collected myself into a corner and I, I got rid of a lot of stuff. And then obviously with that comes the regret of getting rid of certain things. So sure. when I started collecting kind of a, when I got back into collecting again, um, maybe about 10, 12 years ago with the PC engine. And then, you know, when I started um, buying up more black and white Game Boy games again, maybe about eight years ago, um, I, I kind of went with really stricter rules like uh Kind of like you said, I only buy the games that um, I'm interested in. Um, with black and white Game Boy, um, I'm getting stricter. Um, basically, uh, only loose copies with uh, with a select few. So only loose, and for the most part, only gray cartridges, uh, so that my collection doesn't get out of hand. With PC Engine, um, except for rare, rare uh, exceptions, nothing loose. And at this point, I don't look at any TurboGrafx stuff, only PC Engine, because TurboGrafx stuff is too expensive. Okay. My rule is, uh, do I have it or not? That's, that's yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, I don't, I don't think don't Pat has any rules. <clears throat> Thanks for the question, Rashid. Next. Hey, Pioneer. This is um, Elvis Sanchez from New York, also known as MechaDragon101 on Twitter. I didn't know that this tier actually let me do Patreon questions on calls. I just signed up for this for video podcasts. This is great. Um, I guess my question is, um, what are some games that you play that when you feel kind of sad or you just want to relax? My uh, grandma kind of recently passed away, so I need to find some kind of like new game that could help me like get over that. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad. I'm starting to feel it now, but... Um, I'm driving on now, but thank you so much. I hope that uh, I can meet you again in another convention soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. It's Mecha Dragon on Twitter. So, any games that you play when you're sad? Hey, Elvis. Um, actually, yeah, I, I do have a, a, a answer for that. Um, for me, it's it's games with a lot of grinding. Um, RPGs in particular, uh, like Pokemon or any like first-person dungeon crawlers. Um, like uh, Etrian Odysseys or, um, you know, the old Dungeons and Dragons, like, uh, you know, Eye of the Beholder type games. Um, really do it for me. I actually find it calming and relaxing and it helps me zone out. Um, sorry to hear about your grandmother. When my grandmother passed away, actually, uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, that's, that's actually what I did. I played a ton of Etrian Odyssey um, when I couldn't stop thinking about it i actually played a, a ton of Etrian odyssey and just grinded and uh you know the music was very calm and even though the game was very hard the constant repetition just kind of helped me zone out uh games i play when i'm sad i i usually don't play video games when i'm sad because i i don't know i don't know if it would change my mood 
too much. When I was a kid, I'd play, yeah, because I was bullied a lot, and you know, I, I have stories about that, where, yeah, I, I would play maybe whatever I had to take my mind off of, but nowadays, I guess, as an, as an adult, uh, when I'm sad, I don't, I don't know if the, I don't want me to infect the video game. Does that make sense? I want it to be separated from that. You don't. You, yeah. yeah. You don't. It's like mixing work with pleasure. Or something yeah. Like that. You don't. Yeah. You don't want to. You know. And you don't want to. You don't want to associate sadness with games. Yeah. Same reason I don't drink when I'm sad because when I drink I'm usually in a good mood already or you know hanging out with someone of the fair sex and so I don't when I'm sad I don't want to drink drink when I'm sad because it would and it makes it worse. So I guess I guess in theory though when you when you're playing a game it should make you happier by default because you're enjoying it but I don't know I don't I don't know I don't see, it I don't, kind of scares me I don't play them because see I use I use something like that as it's 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 neither here nor there in terms of enjoyment for me it's simply just a, just take your mind off it. okay maybe that's the difference I don't I don't play games that necessarily be distracted right see and that's the thing like it, it's not every single game I could I, I couldn't okay. use I couldn't yeah I couldn't like use a, any all, any type of game to do it. it it has to be something like that that's repetitive and, and kind of calming like that we'll do one more or go to one more q a <sighs> one more of those and then i gotta i gotta you want to do the other topic with me the right. big one the site imploding i'll do it myself right. um yeah i don't have time hi pat man quick question for you do you see retro plug-and-play consoles like the snes nes mini or the at games consoles being threatened by the Raspberry Pi and its ease of burning whole catalogs of ROMs onto a micro SD card. By the way, this is Sean Sitch from Youngstown, Ohio. You know, it's from Youngstown, Ohio. Ed O'Neill from Youngstown, Ohio. Hmm. He references that in Married Children once. Oh, he does. <laughs> Hi, uh, Sean. Um, Can I answer one of these questions for once? Or yeah. No? Well, so I mean, we you? all get to. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, fucking. Uh, it's, no, it's not a threat, and this is why. The vast majority of people don't need entire catalogs of games like us like us insane people to have access to. Most people are satisfied with a, with a dozen games, a handful of games, a game they remembered as a kid. Um, that's why the NES Classic, when they bring it back, will sell out. That's why the Super Nintendo Classic sold a ton, um, because you don't need to... Most, most, of us aren't, most of us aren't these hardcore game, retro gamers that need, need everything. We right. just need what we enjoy, what we play every now and then. We're not playing every day. Maybe we're just playing on the weekend or just with our kids every now and then. So, no, it hasn't, I don't think. The flashbacks have been made forever. Yeah. They've been made for over 10 years at this point, right? 12 years. Flashbacks have been coming up forever. And the Super Nintendo Mini and the NES Mini came out long after everyone knew. Well, yeah. everyone who wants to know or will probably know that you can do these sorts of things with the Raspberry Pi. The reason why these are going to stay successful forever is they're relatively reasonably priced meaning that they for what they are they could almost be considered impulse purchases um you know i mean some of these things like some of the flashbacks i mean you literally can find in drugstores yeah you know you're walking down the aisle and it's like oh impulse buy hey that looks like you know the atari i had when i was a kid and it's 50 dollars. and look it has three of my favorite games on it and boy howdy me and my friend or me and my sister or me and whoever can sit down for four hours and have fun and even if they never use it again yeah. that's fine i don't have to spend an hour to research retro pies learn how to do it and you say oh it's easy it's easy to you it's not easy to to your aunt uh, Tilda out there how to do it <laughs> right or, so, your, or your uncle Bobby it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world so you know I mean and that's plenty of us plenty of video game collectors and us I mean I, I 
lots of us have gone out and bought the NES and SNES minis, full well knowing that we could do this on a Raspberry Pi. Why? Because they're cute. Yeah. They're well made. They're an official product by a company that, you know, some of us really like. So, you know, we buy them. I, there's always going to be room for uh, something like that, I think. Thanks for the question. You can go to patreon.com slash CU podcast and you can, we have different tiers up. We have ex- exclusive uh, clips every now and then. You, you have access to the Discord that Ian's been popping up in. Yeah. Discord chat as well. And Ian's going to do a, a Google Hangout. Yeah, sure. maybe Maybe this weekend or the week after. This weekend. We'll see about that. And that's it for Ian's part of the podcast. He wants to, He's got to take off for work. Uh, I'm going to address a, a Q&A, though. Um, this yeah, is... Let's nail it. I want to hear some of this. I may have to run in the middle. All right. This is from at Keeping Up Gaming. Um, there's always been behind-the-scenes drama at That God the Glasses Slash channel. Awesome. But it's increased tenfold recently. When Kara just left and other producers are dropping like flies, Channel Awesome looks like it's on the verge of collapsing. Okay. Channel Awesome uh, Slash That God the Glasses. Big site. It got big. Uh, 2009 about um, it, it was known for uh, producing and helping people like Angry Joe, Linkara, uh, Cinema Snob, uh, Nostalgia Chick, Lindsay Ellis, who's no longer on the site. Linkara Link- just left. Um, it's known pr- primarily for Doug Walker, Nostalgia uh, Critic. Um, Benzai was on the site, I think, at one point. It had Blistered Thumbs, which was an offshoot uh, video game website, which failed miserably. Uh, and I can talk about that a little bit. But there's always been uh, our, our dear past friend, uh, Justin Juario, was mm-hmm. a member of the site uh, for years as well. And others. There's been a lot of people that came up there. Uh, Spoonie uh, was, a, was a big get for them back in the day. He was big before then, but it, it helped him out at some point. Uh, transparency, real quick. I applied to go on that site in 2009 after the Russian attack video. Did not hear back for like four or five months. Tried again and got an email from Rob Walker, who, which is Doug's brother, basically saying, not good enough, try again later. And I reply back saying, this is the best you're going to get from me, so take it or leave it. And that was that. Wow. Was the most professional email back to me? Because it, it was like, oh, I thought, basically the tone was, well, I thought, I basically I thought I, we rejected you already, which I never heard back. And so I was kind of like put off by the response. It wasn't professional. But I didn't, I didn't take it too personally because in, in the years after, uh, people were saying like uh, Justin or Benzai or Spoon was like uh, they rejected you. They're like, why did they do that? And I was like, I don't know. So this isn't sour grapes, though. I'm not trying to, to, to kick dirt on the grave of Channel Awesome, but it hasn't been relevant for five years. At this well, point. I was gonna. So all I can really say about this before I, I take off is I was I was interested to hear about this. Because I don't. Fu- what, what, what was this? This was everyone behind the scenes talking about the unprofessionalism of Mike Michaud running the website, which is is not a. It's not, that's been known for years. Sure. There's, there was there was an exodus a few years ago with Obscurus Lupa and Phelis and other people that said, yeah, this is not run professionally. There's a bunch of clicks here. We're not told what's going on. We feel disconnected. When the site, we're told what to do when, when we a, shouldn't be. When a site gets big enough that. And in, in un, in unorganized enough that it seems like from reading that there are clicks within a click. Yeah, it's not good. That seems to be like it, it's that's a recipe right. for disaster. So I don't follow a lot of this stuff. This to me says it's a, it's, this. This to me says how bad the situation must have been because 
this happened like four years ago there, right? Yeah, it happened originally. Now it's happening again. Because I thought it was already done. No. And then all of a sudden it comes back up again. And I'm reading through it. I'm, it, it just... Well, sometimes people feel empowered when a few people do it, but then maybe they think of the time. I hate to say there's selfishness involved. And by the way, I have nothing but love for certain people that have been on the site. Uh, obviously, Linkara. I met him. I was, I was very nice to guy. meet him. He was very nice, yeah. Uh, I, uh, Brad from C- uh, Cinema Snob. I've spoken to him. Nice guy. Uh, Spoonie in the past I spoke to was a nice guy. I haven't spoken to him in years. I wish him the best. I don't know what's going on with him at this point, honestly. Uh, other people... But there was always a feeling of clickishness. Uh, I'll never forget a MAGFest, real, real quick story, a MAGFest, where Justin's intro- trying to introduce me to, the, the, the group is there hanging out as a click, which is what they did. If you run Channel Awesome, you were a click, which I can't stand. That, that's how it was. Let's be it was this way. That was the last thing I was going to say. But, I've never seen or met really any of them at any other convention. There used to be big, they used to all go to MAGFest, for example. Okay. Um, so I probably would have dropped off the site after I joined because I don't get a lot of click shit or drama or that mm-hmm. high school shit. But anyway, when he tried to introduce me to people from Channel Awesome, and Justin was older than all of us. Justin, when he passed away, was like 40. Right. So he was like 10 years, at least 10 to 15 years older than most of the people on Channel Awesome. He was like the paternal figure. So he's beyond this bullshit. He tried to introduce me to two people from Channel Awesome. I won't say who. They couldn't even, they couldn't pretend to care to say hi to someone that wasn't on their website. That even their friend justin was introducing them to they didn't they, they basically were like yeah and like that was it i was like oh well, i feel like i can't even stand here then this is how this is this is what this type of people so oh, picture that people like that but picture that picture that though that that is the foundation of a quote-unquote professional website and then when the behind the scenes that people don't know how to run good business know how to communicate with people the story with obscurus luba being tossed out the site was like there was like a group meeting she didn't respond she was away from computer for 15 minutes and that was it she was tossed off well you're gone from the site obviously you can't pay attention that's real fucking professional to do stuff like that and run a website allegedly so the point is not everyone's leaving and everyone's like oh this is an awful place so my question is i'm not gonna get the people that are either still there not going to judge them or why they didn't leave earlier. I think Linkar put out a nice message saying I didn't think it was this bad, or I think he said something like I thought I could help improve it, and I was wrong. That's fine. I'm going to take his word for it. But I don't. This really tarnishes uh, Doug's reputation a lot. There's no way he didn't know this shit was going on. Sure, he's not one running it all behind the scenes, but there's no way he didn't know about this shit. And there are stories about him mismanaging all those uh, team up movie uh, movies that they filmed, didn't know what they were doing. Uh, reading De- about that, deleting like footage, nightmare. keeping people in attics. For the whole day, they didn't have to shoot. I'm like, if I was around that, like, what the fuck is going on? Can I don't go outside. I, I, I was gonna say, I, I was reading that. And I want to know it, it who, like the, f- who the fuck agreed to that. It, 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 it sounds like the fucking room. The, how this is being made. That's what it sounds like. But I mean, at what point do you just go? This is fucking ridiculous. I'm getting up and walking away. And people were afraid to because it was like a, not. I don't. I don't want to say a word. Use the, like the c word, like a cult. But it sounds like. You were afraid of losing your position on this website. There was like an upper tier and a lower tier. And the problem, this all started to get bad when Doug retired and killed off Nostalgia Critic character. Uh, from reports, he didn't tell the rest of the people on the website he was doing that. I saw and that. that's where a ton of traffic came on that filtered down to the to the lower, lesser known well, lesser it's known. probably uh, what would creators. have made being part of it a bit tantalizing would have been getting that. You get the rub. Right. It's like, it's like being a lower card wrestler or mid card wrestler. And then your biggest star says, yeah, I'm leaving right now, guys. You're like, oh, okay, no one's going to watch our stuff anymore. Right. Or partially. And then there was demands not to have Patreons. You can't put a Patreon in, in the links to your video and all this. It's like, who the fuck are you to tell me to do this? Mind your contract on here that I can't do this stuff? This is gross. It's gross. But you got to go.
That's gross. <laughs> but I gotta go. So to finish up with Ian Pax, it, it's just it, to me, it's it's sad, but it's also we are in a different time where these team up websites don't really matter as much anymore and haven't for years. And that includes even the site I helped, used to help uh, run RetroWare, where this there was a reason for them to exist at one point before YouTube became better established with MCNs and partnering people. Now there's a much less of a reason to put yourself on these team up websites and to go forward because there's not they can't provide you with that much like they used to. You know, it's a fun little family sort of a deal, but yeah, it's fun to be. It's always fun to be a part of a group, right. but I think you're better off just reaching out and and not getting into these click situations and just talk to people that you like and network. Uh, I guess quote unquote normally, even though it could be naive, it's not always the easiest way to do it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I wish I wish everyone well. Uh, there's tons of uh, threads and tweets about this, about all the weird stuff that happens uh, behind the scenes uh, as Ian packs up. And goes away, and um, I might should I do should I do that Nintendo Toys one or wait for you next time the topic? We can do that next time. That's we'll do it next time. It's not a time sensitive topic. So Ian's packing up. Uh, we have a Patreon, Patreon.com. Yeah, reverse it. He's out the door. <laughs> you gonna did you call your lift already? Or you know? <laughs> you gotta get your Vespa. Um. Yeah, guys, uh, this has been a fun CU podcast. Check out that Wired article with me in it. Ian's quoted about how I never have fun in my life. Um, I'm going to be at PAX East April. God, that's a week and a half from now. April 6th through 8th, I will be there. I have a panel on the 8th that Sunday uh, morning at 11 a.m. It's about PC gaming and, and gaming in the 90s. I'll also be selling my uh, book at the uh, ScreenWave Media uh, booth there. Thanks so much for the support. If you want to advertise with us, uh, shoot an email to cupodcast at thepunkeffect.com. Other than that, yeah, it's been fun here. And uh, for Ian Ferguson, who's getting his lift, I am Pat Contry. We will see you later.